Welcome to the Tech Diva Success Podcast. This is a short weekly podcast that focuses on tools, processes, and best practices that truly fuel success for women in technology. We thank you for tuning in, and we hope you walk away with at least one best practice that will help you level up personally or professionally. What can you take action on that will make you 1% better? This show gives us space to grow that amazing potential you have inside of you by bringing you guests from all walks of life and allowing them to share their success secrets with you. I'm your host, Nicole Scheffler, and I consider myself a tech diva with over 15 years experience in a technology career. And I'm committed to sparking tech diva success with my collection of various books, podcasts, and projects, including our other podcast, the Diva Tech Talk podcast, which is all here to inspire you and is dedicated to women in technology. I know you're going to love it. So on with the show. Before we kick off this episode with Michael Papanek, I really suggest that as you listen, think about how he could potentially help your organization or even yourself grow. He really has some great experience in coaching in the tech sector. In fact, the best way to really go deeper than what I discussed with him on this short episode is his website. So I'm calling that out here right in the front. Go visit Michael Papanek, P-A-P-A-N-E-K, obviously Michael, michaelpapanek.com, and you can grab his book. He's got a great blog, but most of all, check out his course, which is so hot right now on Udemy. It's called Agile Leadership and Resilient Teams. It's so timely, and it's going to give you practical ways to make your team unbreakable. Just reach out to him on his contact page uh, via email or by the form and mention the show, Tech Diva Success, and you can even get a discount on his course. So uh, check it out. Well, another episode, another opportunity to learn and grow success for women in tech. And this is actually a special episode because one of the reasons I started the podcast is to get the male voice on here because I feel like uh, men have just as much to offer to women's success, uh, either as allies, sponsors, or in this case, amazingly talented coaches, leadership coaches, change agent coaches. So today I have Michael Papanek. He is going to be on with us. He's done it all basically, but He's been a business leader, he's an executive advisor, organizational change agent, which is so key right now as we definitely come into the next frontier. And he has a little bit of roots in engineering, which I definitely appreciate as an engineer and engineering leader myself. He's had time at EDS, for those of you that may not know, (laughs) that stands for Electronic Data Systems, and has a lot of experience there with implementations around a lot of large companies. And then he was also a partner and board member and general manager for learning innovation at a global consulting firm. So he was an engineer. He got a chance to do learning innovation, which are two other things I also love. So I'm obviously super geeked about this conversation, but he's a real expert at leading teams through full cycle product development as well. So he understands what leaders need to do But now he's spent the last over 20 years making sure that they can do it, that they have the skills as a leader, that they have the advice that they need for both them and their teams to make it successful. He also is an author, so got to call that out. He has a book, From Breakdown to Breakthrough, Forging Resilient Business Relationships in the Heat of Change. Wow, another totally relevant book. If I don't have you already, then 
stay tuned because you are going to love Michael. He again helps cultural change to increase stakeholder satisfaction, achieve new business outcomes through improved self-awareness and strategic thinking. And he uses this action learning methodology, which is focused on real life business outcomes. Imagine that as a vehicle for gaining new leadership skills. He's also uh, got some roots in his family, which is also very cool um, with his grandfather, who's a social scientist and did a lot in organizational development. So, wow, what a background, Michael. Thanks for joining the show. Well, I'll, uh, I'll never live up to that intro, of course. <laughs> I, I'm under pressure now. But no, seriously, I, I am humbled and honored. And thank you very much. I'm really pleased, as you say, uh, to be one of your male voices Obviously, we're not going to achieve what we all want to achieve without men being part of it. But I'm certainly uh, honored and humbled to be able to coach a lot of female leaders. And so I'm working right now with about a dozen different executives, mostly in Silicon Valley and, and other parts of the world, but uh, female executives. So, um, you know, I'm really pleased to be able to participate here. Yeah. And again, that was the goal of my new show. I have another mm -hmm. podcast which tells the story of women in tech careers. And that's really hard if you're not a woman in tech to tell your career. <laughs> so it was a little limiting. And that's why this show is here for coaches, trainers, you know, yoga experts, because I think everyone has something to offer. But the fact that you've been in technology and you've led these leaders gets you primed specifically for the mission of this show. So I know that you help build resilient business relationships, but what are some aspects? What does that really mean to you to say a resilient business relationship? Yeah. So as you say, I've been doing this, especially as a coach since 1994. And so I've seen a lot of change and I've been very lucky to kind of uh, participate and observe the really big trends. And so even what we expect from a leader, what leaders were expected to do, frankly, that long ago or even longer when I, before I became a consultant, but I was in organizations, that's really changed. And so the idea that relationships matter. This is not controversial now. There was a time where, you know, we had to sort of say, hey, you know, every business is a relationship business. So there's a bottom line focus. What people now know is that it's not a dichotomy. It's not a choice between you want really sustained results and you want to be able to do those pretty much no matter what, it's going to come down to relationships. If you want loyalty from your team, the people that work for you, that's about relationships. If you wanted to be treated with respect, if you want to move up, if you want to influence others, you get the idea, right? So a lot of this is about relationships. Now, that doesn't mean we're about friends exactly. What it does mean, though, is that we have the right level of knowledge and intimacy and understanding of each other so that we can be resilient, we can deal with problems well, you know what they say, right? Bad news does not improve with age. What happens with a lot of kind of relationships that aren't so great is they are sort of governed. They're limited. We can't be as collaborative. Conflict really hurts us. So a resilient relationship is what a lot of leaders, male or female, would certainly ask me about, whether it's with their boss, a key report, a customer, a peer, um, you know, whole other parts of the organization. And so we define a, business, a resilient business relationship essentially across three dimensions. It should be strong, flexible, and fair, right? So when we think about classic, again, you mentioned engineers. I was a systems engineer, but if you asked a, you know, uh, uh, industrial engineer, someone who builds bridges, 
what's resilience? So say it's strong strength plus flexibility, right? We all may have seen that bridge on the video that kind of twists in the wind or whatever. Some of those videos, the bridge disintegrates, others it stays up. Why does it stay up? Because it's both strong and flexible. The palm tree, not the mighty oak, right? Etc. We get the metaphor. The reason we add a third dimension, strong, flexible, and fair, is because humans are not bridges. And so if you think of what keeps you up at night, if you think of sometimes even why people leave a whole organization and they'll go through all that trouble, it'll often be because of a perceived lack of fairness. And so fairness is really important to resilience. And so strong, what do these three mean? Just to kind of double click a little bit deeper. So a strong relationship is a relationship that really creates meaningful value, right? Nicole, you couldn't just, you know, if you imagine, you go, boy, this would be a hard relationship to replace. It's not superficial. It's meaningful to my business or my career or my ability to do my job. You know, so it's an important relationship because of the value it creates. And again, a resilient relationship creates value for both parties. We like to say one plus one should equal three. Right. There should be synergy. There should be something like, wow, the thing, you know, the thing that is Nicole Michael as a relationship is more than just Nicole plus Michael. Right. There's like an exponential impact. So that's what we want. It's like impacting women in tech. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. That's right. This is the multiplier of a strong relationship. Right. And then a flexible relationship. Pretty clear. Right. It can flex. So sometimes people and relationships are pretty locked in. And so that works, but then of course, something changes. By definition, something is always changing. That's why leaders have to make decisions because the world doesn't stay static. Well, how are those changes impacting our business relationship and do they destroy it or do we maintain it? Obviously, during the COVID situation, a lot of the resilient relationship between a company and its clients, a company and its employees, a company and its suppliers are all being tested. So when we talk about agile leadership, we often think of flexibility. And then finally, fairness is defined as not equal, but equitable. So a fair relationship uh, doesn't mean we sort of take everything and divide it in half or, you know, however many people or whatever it is. A fair relationship means, one, I feel respected for who I am. I feel listened to. And I believe that the other person has my interests at heart. So there's trust. Right, so intentions are critical to fairness. And then fairness is also measured by people at work in how much they're putting in versus what they're getting out, right? And so if I feel like I'm putting in, putting in, putting in, and most of the benefits are going to someone else or are unfairly going to that other person, uh, then that's not gonna be sustainable, that's not gonna be resilient. Yeah, what I really love about those three points and what I took away is strong is that two-way value. I think a lot of business books talk about bringing value to every relationship. What do you bring? What do they bring? I love what you pointed out there. The flexible, I mean, just hearing the struggle. Like relationships are always good when it's like, hey, Michael, how you doing? (laughs) Doing great. You know, they're not so great when you have to face adversity like we are today. Adversity and how our customers do business on how we're gonna make our bottom line or just how we're gonna survive a day with young kids running around the house or elderly people sick or whatever it may be. And then the fair, I like how you said equitable because when you have diverse ideas, I work with a leader and he's a great leader because it's equitable. So we could collaborate and my ideas are equal, 
but he has the higher card because he's the proven leader. He's the director. So what I took away from that is like, wow, I see that in my relationship because I believe he's a really fair man. So kudos to him. That's one thing I think of when I think about why is there valuable and fairness because we need collaboration. So an equitable leader will not say my idea is the best. They'll say, I'm going to collect all the ideas. There's great ideas everywhere and bring it together. So those are some three great, really good points. Keep, keep going. Let's keep dropping yeah, some knowledge. I mean, just building for a second over what you just said, fairness and decision-making, that's where a lot of people measure fairness. Yes. That's where they measure empowerment, right? Empowerment is the belief that I have a f- appropriate influence over the decisions that affect my work and things I care about. So I like to say not everybody's going to get their way, but they do deserve a fair hearing, right? So when you describe that relationship with that manager, it sounds like you're, in a way, you're saying, you know what? They don't always do what I say, and I know they have a certain authority that I don't have, and they've earned that, and, or, or whatever. That's their job. But you know what? I feel like even if I don't get my way, I understand why. The leader can share the rationale behind the decision, and it's not seen as political. And know, you know, what you don't know can hurt you as a leader. And so that sense of fairness treats others like adults. You know what? You come to me like an adult. I'm going to take this seriously, whatever it is. Maybe I can't solve your problem. A lot of leaders have horrible pressure right now because there are so many problems that they have to deal with for their employees or otherwise. And they're like, you know, I can't solve all these problems. Well, that's right. You can't. What's unfair would be to imply that you could or to run away from those problems or to blame someone for bringing them up because I can't solve them, so I'm mad at you. So strong, flexible, and fair is what we're talking about. And remember, I'm also talking about the other thing that I think people are noticing now that I think is important is this idea of individual versus social resilience. So for many years, you talk about leadership books you've read and stuff, there's a lot of work on individual resilience. We, we study people in especially difficult situations after 9-11 or the earthquake in Haiti or death in a family or anything that might happen that's especially difficult. We study those people and we determine the attributes of resilience. For example, a sense of agency. So people that are resilient after those situations tend to have a belief that, you know what, I can't change everything, but I can change something. Well, individual resilience is great. But what organizations and leaders need now is social resilience, team resilience. So that's not the ability of me to take care of myself, which is lovely. But what if I take care of myself by leaving your outfit? What we want is resilience as a team. And if you've been on a phenomenal, high-end, really like best time of your career kind of team, I'm going to guess that that whole team was strong, flexible, and fair. And so... I work a lot on helping leaders understand the barriers and the ways to support a resilient team culture. And so one of the things we look at there is this thing we call the heat curve. So these agile leaders that have resilient teams actually can handle this, what I call heat, which is that energy that you all recognize. It's the meeting where we're finally discussing those ideas or we're finally working out this thing and Gosh darn it, you know, or maybe it's very positive heat, a great innovation. Often, though, it's a conflict that needs to be resolved that lesser teams can't handle that heat. And so I actually put it on a graph called the heat curve. And essentially, as heat increases, initially, most teams can handle that for a little while. 
And so if they're going to innovate, like you said, they're going to need that heat. They're going to need diversity. Remember, innovation is simply a change that we like, right? It's all about difference. It's all about some difference, right? And so how we handle difference. So some teams have a heat curve that drops off very quickly. They either get polite or they get mean. We call this the nice meeting or the mean meeting. And so people either start what we call blame storming, right? Or everybody finally shuts up and just listens to what the boss says or whatever. These are very damaging and can create a toxic culture when you have an extreme version of this. Conflicts don't get resolved. People pay a pretty serious price. They start to learn and practice dysfunctional ways of getting their needs met because they don't have a good way to get it met. So what effective leaders do is they manipulate this heat curve they build resilient relationships across the whole team. And there are teams I work with that pretty much never drop into breakdown. They can handle pretty much as much heat as needs to be handled, including bad news, difficult news, plans that don't go as planned, which is all plans essentially. And so the idea of the heat curve makes us pull together under stress rather than pulling apart. Wow, that's definitely super powerful. So it's the heat to bring people together. And again, the more diversity we charge forward with in every organization, the more heat. I love how uh, you, you laid that out there. That was excellent. That's right. And, and, and these days we tend to use those initial DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the reason we might like those three words is exactly what you're talking about. Diversity is going to give us strength. Equity is that fairness that I've talked about, where there's a proper distribution of uh, the gains created. And so it's not coercive or exploitive of certain people. And so I think that's a lot of what we're trying to solve right now. And then obviously inclusion is almost the action word behind diversity and equity, which is how do I include alternative points of view? Uh, what about when we don't agree? You know, our thinking is based on our experiences or else we're kind of crazy people, right? So obviously, where does your belief come from? Well, I believe what I believe about leadership. You believe what you believe about, let's say, women in tech based on a very reasonable and thoughtful, right? So if that belief system meets another belief system that comes from another place, what the greatest leaders can do is they can align, right? So, so that we can find common interests. We can identify interests that aren't common, and then we can work through options, we can test things, we can try things, we can practice a little give and take without feeling like we're giving up something important about ourselves, right? So it's collaboration that actually produces more <laughs> rather than like a, a capitulation uh, that produces less. Well, our show is all about big success secrets. So I know you're going to bring this all together for us. What would you say is the grand finale here of our show of what you have to share with the audience? Yeah, well, and again, thinking about this audience and trying to kind of humbly imagine what could I help. And, and, and I'm thinking about a lot of the leaders that I work with, female leaders that I work with. And so a standard coaching kind of setup is you do what's called the 360 qualitative analysis or a stakeholder input type assessment. And so this is where you ask the leader, hey, who are people that you respect or who are important relationships in your business? Let's get input from those stakeholders about what makes you great, what people appreciate, and what they wish they, you might change or how you might improve through this coaching and, and the other improvements we're doing. This is just an outstanding way to get input. and Sometimes you identify different perceptions. And so a pattern that I thought of that kind of leads to that success secret 
because I'll work with the female leader, executive, whatever, and she'll probably say, you know, I wish I had more influence. I wish I had a better strategic impact on the company. I have more from my point of view. I want to have a bigger impact. And so we sold great. I mean, that's certainly many, many men would have the exact same goal. So I go to their stakeholders and one of the male stakeholders tell me, you know, I wish she would be more visionary. I wish she would share her point of view more strongly. I wish she would have a bigger impact on strategy and not as tactical. So the secret is kind of, well, what about this? Why is this? And so I think one, it's just one person's unscientific source of data that says, yes, the world is wanting that from all leaders and certainly from female leaders. Um, and so women can and should speak strongly. What I find is sort of this almost ironic pattern is they do something that a, a female uh, leadership coach, a, a friend of mine coined the term bubble wrapping your communication. So what unfortunately women might sometimes do is sort of bubble wrap, right? So what do we do with bubble wrap? We get rid of all the hard edges. Well, you know what? It's the hard edges that make the impact. That's the choice. That's the decisiveness. And so, yes, I want people to hear my ideas, but I actually don't get them heard better by bubble wrapping them. What I want to do is be really clear and strong. And so one might say, yes, but when I try to do that, sometimes these fellas or other people don't react that well. And so, yes, that's true. And so the way through is to be very clear with your intention. You might say, again, it's not bubble wrapping, it's just clarifying your intention. I'm concerned about this because of something we've tried before. I need to share with you that experience because I have a real concern about this. Or I have an exciting idea that I think might meet all of our needs even better, I'm gonna share that with you. Or you know what, it's my job to have a vision for design at our firm. And so here's, you know, as the head of design, here's the design vision. And you know, let's see how we can work with that. So I would say that's the secret is that um, women should not bubble wrap, even though they may have learned to uh, from the people around them. I think that may come from us just taking care and nurturing and wanting to sure. nurture and make it safe. But I love the challenge that you've thrown out today for all of our listeners out there. How can you be more strategic? What can you do right now? What idea do you have that you could bring into the now and share with your boss next week or get ideas from your team that is, you know, using the, equ the equitable, right? Can you source some and I'm ideas? I'm going to tell you, more people are rooting for you than you know, right? So when you're doing that and it feels risky and you feel that heat, oh boy, I just went up the heat curve. I just told the boss they're wrong or whatever it might be. I just said the thing that, you know, others aren't saying. That's leadership. I mean, the word leadership, the leader goes first in a race. Sometimes you have to go first. Sometimes you have to have that courage. And I would say, remember, even if you don't see it or hear it, there are more people rooting for you. And there are more people wanting you to do that than you might think. And I feel like that's who they're going to sponsor when they look at different people. That's right. The table. That's right. What an irony to be passed over by trying to be a little too nice. Again, we're not talking about being mean. We're just saying nice is not really what we're solving for. Be bold, take the chance. That's right. Thank you, Michael. You've given us so much. Thank you so much for, for the time with everybody today. And uh, I think you get the last quote of the day. Be bold. <laughs> you know, uh, life rewards uh, those who take a risk. There you go. Then technically you have the last word. Oh, I guess so. <laughs>
as men always have to be. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm grateful for Thank the work so that much. you're doing to help all leaders and teams be better. That's what we're about. 1% better every day. And that is the difference between excellent teams, those teams that you talk about. And if people want to get a hold of you, which I think they might after this small amount of knowledge and knowing what many, many businesses and leaders are going through, what's the best way to do that? My website, uh, michaelpapanik.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-P-A-P-A-N-E-K.com. I'm also an instructor on Udemy. I have a new course that talks about a lot of these ideas and many more called Agile Leadership and Resilient Teams. So you can check that out. Come to my website and get a discount coupon and so forth. So um, I would, of course, love to hear from any of your uh, listeners uh, or viewers and just to discuss uh, these interesting uh, leadership concepts. Great. So if you like this, give us a rating or review. We'll go into that, but you know, leave a comment if you're on a platform that does that. And we will continue to drop all of this information in the blog right up on our website so that we could continue to share and empower more women in technology. So thank you for joining us because our intention is to spark Tech Diva success. And you talked about bringing the heat. And I think it was a great tie to the theme of oh, sparking great. success because yes. that's what we want to do. We want to bring it, the heat. No kidding. I mean, it really is. So bring the heat. Uh, Maybe that should have been the last one. Well, we'll leave you with bringing the heat as okay. an individual or as a leader. Thanks again, Michael. All right. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you again for listening. And we really hope this sparks something in you that you can use to manifest more success in your life. Please give us a rating or review. We would love to see how the show has inspired you. You can also connect with Tech Diva Success on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook. We're very easy to find under that name. And we hope this episode was fire for you.